At Athletic Brewing Company, we've built America's first craft non-alcoholic brewery. We've created a lineup of award-winning non-alcoholic beers. Our beers are made with organic grains and start at only 50 calories. Athletic beers are perfect for anyone who loves being healthy and active, but also loves to enjoy great tasting beer with friends. To give us a try, go to athleticbrewingcompany.com and use code ATHLETIC20 for 20% off your first order. We all know what comes with being a fan, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Share a Coke with a friend. Coca-Cola, the official beverage of the Columbia Lions. Welcome back to episode two of Captain's Corner with the Columbia Lions football captains after their uh, 37-14 win over Marist on Saturday. So we're, we're joined by all four captains once again. We got Justin Woodley, Ben Mathis-Meyer, Stu Nubla, and Ty Lenhart. So guys, congratulations. Welcome back. We made it to episode two. We were renewed for a full season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. How we doing? Love to hear it. I want to pick up kind of where we left off last week we talked about visualization question uh did it kind of meet your expectations when you're kind of heading out there for that first time getting ready to play in such a long time yes (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i I personally had a little bit more jitters than i probably would typically have in a game just because it's been so long but for me every time after the first play happens it's pretty much you're locked in it's 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 game game zone so yeah, the nerves were definitely maybe a little more than usual. And the night before, I just kept thinking, like, I can't believe we're actually playing tomorrow. Just it's been yeah. so long. But like Ben said, once you get playing, it all kind of fades away and you're just playing in the game. I mean, the night before, it kind of hit me that I just it had been so long for, my, you know, me, myself being injured that I just forgot, you know, what that pregame day kind of feeling felt like. So for me, it was more just about absorbing it each and every moment, each feeling I was having throughout the day, you know, waking up with the jitters for the first time in a couple of years. So that was pretty fun. Yeah, once you go through all the whole, you know, pregame routine and all that stuff, it becomes real, real quick. So we'll get into a little bit of from the Marist game and put a wrap on that before we look ahead to, to Georgetown this Saturday. Um, obviously, down 14 nothing early. What was kind of the turning point for for you all to kind of turn things around and be able to storm back like you, the way you did? I don't know if there was really like a turning point. I just think it was like those first two going down 14 nothing. it was just a couple freak plays and we just had like, a bad couple plays, an unfortunate event that's happened. And I think the main thing was that everyone stayed calm. I don't think there was any sense of panic or anything on the team like that of what are we going to do. Everyone just knew that we just had to get to work and do what we do and we'd be fine, which is what happened. How I look at it, it was kind of a good rep. Like that's something we struggle with in the past is being down early and then not being able to come back and just kind of letting it get to us. But having that happen like right off the bat, I thought it was a good mental rep, good rep overall just to – you know, to overcome that and get right back after it and go 37 unanswered points. You know, and it's never you know, it's never a great thing to start the game going down 14 nothing. you know, before four minutes have left the clock. But I think one sense of relief that we had, at least on the defense side of the ball, was that, you know, there had only been four minutes off the clock, right? We still had the rest of the game to go, to, you know, put work in, really establish ourselves in the game. And I think that's exactly what we were able to do uh, after we went down 14 early. I mean, you think about – you always talk about responding to adversity, and it's like, well – that hits you in the face from from the jump, right? But D went out, got a three three and out offense. Went punt, punt, out. Yeah, went three and out, punted the ball, returned it. We fumbled, they scored, and then we dominated the rest of the game. So I just liked how we responded from the first part portion of the game, not going as we would have wanted to 
be playing. So obviously, one of the big keys was the running game. So I'm going to throw it to you, Stu. Like, what was it like, kind of blocking for those guys and giving them all that room to to run? Uh, all three of those guys, uh, Broderick Ryan and Dante, are so easy to block for. I mean, they really make us look good in a lot of ways. I think we watch the film and they're putting linebackers on the wrong side of our blocks. Um, so we were able to have a good day in the run game, but I think a lot of that is our backs and just the play calling and the positions we were put into were, were amazing. And Ty, talk a little bit about the play of Joe at quarterback, you know, getting his first start at Columbia and, mm-hmm. and what he was able to do for you guys, especially, you know, made some plays in the, in the passing game and uh, even Gabe on the run and running game, given the change of pace. Yeah. I mean, going out there, you know, it's your first time for both of those guys that I, I remember thinking back to the first time I started, first time I played and, you know, there are a lot of jitters, a lot of unknowns. And for those guys to go out there and uh, compete the way they did, to execute the way they did, I mean, it's, it's awesome. And, uh, you know, seeing them score, seeing them have success, it's awesome. And, you know, now it's just time to keep it up and keep going and build on that, you know, keep that confidence going. So super proud of those guys, and I'm excited to see what they do next. For the defense, you know, you guys held them. I think it was they were 0-4 on third down. So, I mean, obviously getting off the field is a big key for, for any defense. But uh, talk about a few of the things that were working. I mean, Justin had at least one sack, might have had two on the day. Um, and after that one big play, uh, the passing game was kind of shut down. So how's everything going on the defensive end? Did you guys feel coming in, coming out of week one? Uh, I mean, pretty good. I think one big takeaway we took around was how many guys were flying to the football. You know, I mean, there were multiple plays where you see five, six, seven guys even as the guy's already been wrapped up, you sprinting, trying to get to the football. And I think that's going to carry over and lead to more success throughout the year. But I think what really helped us, we had success early, you know, in early downs, first and second down, being able to stop the run, put them in second and third and long, really forced them into pass heavy situations, which allowed us to get our uh, new third down package on the field. You know, I think that looked really good for us. Like you said, oh, for on third down. So I think we're really excited about that. And we're only scratching the surface with that package. So uh, it's going to be pretty exciting to see where that takes us throughout the rest of the season. I think if you if you look at the numbers, I mean, we allowed seven points, had three sacks, 11 TFLs, one turnover, missed on the turnovers. We at least won two, and we we did a hell of a job on third down. So, And the craziest part about it is all I think there's so much room to grow. I think we left a lot out there still um, in a few situations where we could have made plays, could have had one more pick. Scotty could have got one. Um, but there's always room to grow after a game. I mean, I think we did a great job of tackling for our first game. Um, being back on on the whole on defense and we'll be better because of this game and we'll, we'll learn from it and go on to the, the Hoyas next. You know, let's talk a little bit more about Saturday, but go outside like the numbers and everything. What's your what's your favorite part of a, of a game day? Let's go into that a little bit. Is there is there a routine or is it something that happens in the middle of the game? Uh, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about that? I just like playing football. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't think of anything in particular. I mean, it was – First time since high school for all of us to do the coin toss, which we won. So we were one and zero. Yep. And they got a call tails, and we won head. So that was um, definitely lucky. But uh, I actually I enjoy the, the start of the game, um, going out and then finally getting it on the field. So before I let anybody else answer on the coin toss, is it always defer if you guys win? Is that just an automatic defer? Or uh, we, you, is that a game-by-game decision? We'll say game-by-game game, just in case there's any competitors listening to the podcast. <laughs> but um, we like defense on the field. so. Mm-hmm. Um, on to your last question, I would say my favorite part of yesterday's game, I would just say my favorite part of any game in general being on the offense is I feel like once we get into that rhythm, 
the first couple drives were a little weird. The first one we had that three and out, and then the second one we got stalled out on like the thirty or forty. Um, but after that, we really just got into a rhythm where things just started to flow. And I think that's my favorite part of every game when you go out there and you just have this sense and feeling that what no matter what you're going to do, it's going to work. We were running for five, six yards a pop. And that's just a great feeling when you get into the flow of the offense and everything you're doing is working. So I think that's one of my favorite parts of the game. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with Stu. Once you, you, know, you get out there, you get hit for the first time or get the jitters out and then you just kind of get into a flow of things that like flow state and you're just you're rolling. You're not thinking much. You're just kind of reacting, um, you know, just the heat of the game. That's the best part. In the middle of the game, scoring, all that stuff, just not even thinking. You're just kind of reacting and playing and just having fun. I think just one more thing to add on top of that is I think seeing your film study and seeing all the prep work you've done in practice kind of transition out into the game, you know, I think that's really cool. You know, we talked about certain looks that we see all week in practice, right, and then they come out in the game and they run those same looks and you're already ready for it, you know. So, you know, seeing that work that you put in all week finally come to fruition, you know, on, on game day is kind of one of my favorite things about game day. And then let's go to after the game, just the emotions. You waited so long and be able to come back from a 14 nothing deficit like we talked about just your immediate reactions after the game's over that was fun (laughs) (laughs) you know i think um just having been out for so long you know trying to take in that moment right after the game you know come back especially how early how it started uh didn't look too good so just finally taking it all in realizing you know at least for me it's the first time i made it through a game in four years so pretty happy about that one uh just reflecting on my family being able to be there my friends being able to be there so uh, had a lot of fun in that one, uh, but I think, you know, I think we talked about it yesterday, especially being on Sundays, that now it's time to flush it, right? Can't dwell on it for too long. You know, we're already moving on to Georgetown. I know a lot of the guys watching film today, so uh, getting excited about that next matchup next Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is our goal every week is to go 1-0 and and focus on the opponent that we're facing right now that happened to be Maris this week, and we did what we were supposed to do and came out with a W and Saturday it was, it was great. Cause you know, we hadn't played football and been together in so long and putting up 37 unanswered points was great and all and Saturday you enjoy it. And then Sunday it's on to Georgetown, right? I mean, it's the next game. So great win, great team win, um, great way to respond to adversity. And now we're on to the next. Yeah. I think these guys covered it well. There might've been a little bit more of that was awesome just cause it's been so long and a lot of us had family in town, stuff like that. But, it's just on to Georgetown next week, especially now that it's Sunday. So, yeah, you could sense that in the locker room after the game. I think it was a just kind of like business, like all right, on to the next one. Like celebrated for a little bit, but on to the next one. We got work to do. Let's go back to the coin toss. It, it kind of an emotional moment carrying out uh, the jerseys of Parker Coogan and Jackson Coker, who unfortunately passed away over the pandemic. So, what did it mean to you guys to be able to, to carry their legacies kind of out on the field and ha- have them there? maybe in spirit with you uh, for that coin toss and throughout the game and and this season? You know, we talk all the time about being a family, right? I think, um, you know, it's more than just games, more than just, you know, these guys that we come out and we go out to practice with. You know, we really want to be a family, and I think we're really trying to epitomize that every day with not only what we do on the field, but what we do off the field, you know. Whether we, as some of these older guys, we didn't really get a chance to meet uh, Jackson Coker just due to the pandemic and him not being able to come here, but – you know, the legacy that Coogan left, you know, and the legacy that Jackson left on the guys that were able to meet him and how much it mattered to both uh, to all those guys who knew them uh, just to see that and be able to kind of honor them in a way that we thought was pretty touching, was pretty nice. Um, you know, they both meant so much to so many guys on this team that uh, we felt that it was only right that we honor them at that coin toss, especially being the first one. Yeah, I mean, Coogan was the first person, first team I ever met before I came to Columbia. He was, he's from Houston, so he's about 45 minutes from my house. So 
just um, you know being able to honor him and I wear 55 on my towel on the back of it and on my wrist just so I carry with him in the game and I think even besides the coin toss what we did for them we have we have Jackson's number from high school on the back of our helmets with the state of Texas and then 55 won't be war this year so it's not just the coin toss I remember him it'll be a year-long thing and um, especially for Coogan us all haven't played with them it's it's something that's special to all of us because he was such an important figure to all four of us. Yeah, I think those are two guys who are talked about so often in the locker room and are still very much a part of the team. So I think it was only right that we honored them and bring brought out their jersey to show that they are still a part of us and what we represent. Yeah, those guys, I mean, the legacy, kind of what Woodley was saying, the legacy that they left and the impact that they had on people, it just, it'll shine on forever. And you can see that with all the guys and the lives that they touched and, you know, we're just trying to carry out their legacy through how we act, how we treat each other's teammates. And to, to be able to do that, it was, uh, it was, it was tough for sure. Just, you know, holding those jerseys and it becomes real at that moment. Um, you know, this season's for them for sure for 55 and 16. And, uh, we're going to do everything we can to, to make them proud. No easy way to transition out of something like that, but you know, now you're moving ahead. We, we talked about it. We're already on to Georgetown. So, What's it like kind of getting back in that turnaround mode of, you know, like you said, flushing that game, getting ready for film? What have you seen out of them, uh, out of the Hoyas so far? Um, I'll speak for me and Woodley here. We have film on Georgetown, so life is a lot more fun. So we know a little bit more what to prepare for. Woodley played a lot in 2018 when we played against them, and I played a lot in 2019. So we'll take stuff from them, game clips, and then we'll learn from what they did offensively against Harvard last week and the week prior against Dell State. So just having two games and then having played them historically, and then also uh, we're playing for the Little, Little Cup. So it's something that, you know, anytime we're playing for a trophy, we want to bring that back um, to our home turf. So. And another home game. So looking yeah, forward to this and, week. You know, me and Ben talked about it last week, but like, you know, this is kind of where the fun begins. So for us, you know, it's pretty easy to just jump right back into Georgetown. You know, it's almost like now we get another challenge, right? So it's almost like another game, another puzzle to try to figure out. So we want to get started as early as possible. You know, I know a lot of the guys have already started watching film as early as last night. So I'm just really excited to see what this new week is going to show, what kind of what they're going to put on film, just ready to break it down and see how we do this week during practice. Yeah, and I, I think it's safe to say we have a sour taste in our mouth from last year. Short and sweet, I think we're excited to get 2019 out of our head and, uh, you know, get back after it against them. Yeah, everyone's ready to get going. Luckily, on the <laughs> offensive side, they run the same 3-3 stack that uh, Maris runs. So that's going to be a good look that we're going against the same thing we went against last week. Um, so it's just turning to watching film and getting their personnel down and what they like to do. Outside of film and, you know, everything – on the field, what are some big keys for you guys to get ready for, for another game on Saturday? Is it, you know, anything that you do, like, off the field, meditation, get your minds right or anything like that, anything special, specific that you need to do differently now that, you know, it turns into the grind of, of every Saturday? Um, I actually think it's going back to just doing the same thing you've always done. You know, I think that's kind of what makes it easy being consistent each and every week with your process and how you carry it out. Uh, the week, you know, I mean, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, each uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is always the same. You know, first and second down on Tuesday, third down red zone on Wednesday, and kind of the whole picture on Thursday. So just having your process and the way you like to go about the week, I think is the best way to go about it. You know, it's going to be a long season. Things are going to come up. Injuries are going to happen. Uh, your body's not going to feel great. And then school starts to pick up, you know, with midterms, and then finals come along towards the end of the season. So I think it's really locking into that process, honing in on what you want to do each and every week. And then just being consistent with that process kind of helped put you in a better position to be successful week in and week out. 
Yep, just flow, getting into a flow and a process. I would say that today really helps. Today, Mondays, we don't have any uh, football. And so I think most people spend today getting their schoolwork straight and everything like that. And then Tuesdays, normally one of our busiest heavy flow football days into a heavy practice. So I think just getting straight, screwing your head on tight, and getting ready. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd add is Monday being an off day. I know me and Woodley were at treatment right before this. It's pretty big treatment day and just a day to allow your body to rest mentally and physically to get on to the next opponent. Yeah, definitely mentally. Just take a take a break for a second, reset, and uh, you know, because things are happening so fast, so much is going on. You need to take a day or so to just kind of you know relax a little bit, watch some film, take some stress off the body, and then reset and get ready to roll. Make a brilliant move to Vanderwater luxury condominium residences in Morningside Heights. Discover an elevated approach to city living, a modern homage to old world elegance. Breathtaking views of the Hudson River, Columbia University, and Riverside Church. Visit thevandewater.com today for more information. That's T-H-E-V-A-N-D-E-W-A-T-E-R.com. New York Presbyterian Hospital is one of the nation's most comprehensive, integrated academic health care delivery systems dedicated to providing the highest quality, most compassionate care and service to patients in the New York metropolitan area, nationally and throughout the globe. New York Presbyterian is consistently recognized as a leader in medical education, groundbreaking research, and innovative patient-centered clinical care. Ranked number one in the New York metropolitan area by U.S. News and World Report and repeatedly named to the honor roll of America's best hospitals, New York Presbyterian has 10 locations in the metropolitan area. For more information, visit nyp.org today. Let's talk a little bit about playing for Coach Bagnoli, and even you want to talk about your positional coaches a little bit. Talk about what each bring to the table and what it's like uh, working with them and getting to learn from them. Yeah, I mean, I can I can touch on bags. I know me and Woodley were the, were the second class and the Bagnoli era, and times two were the third class. So just seeing being here, the whole process he's been here has been great. I mean, Coach Bagnoli really holds us to a standard and a certain culture that we're we've been trying to build since we got here and I think it's only gotten better um and this is a, a good start to the 2021 season and just to speak a little bit on position coaches I mean me and Woodley have been fortunate and Stu our whole time here to have the same position coach yeah. I, me having Murph Woodley having Stowe and Stu having coach Mack um speaking on Murph a little bit more too I guess I mean just having his presence in the room his experience is not only on the field but help serving for our country and just the standard he holds coming from a military background and the preparation he puts in to help us go out there and execute is something that's helped me in my time here in my, I guess, four and a half years. So Yeah, Coach ba uh, Bagnoli, I think, just operates everything in such like a class A way. Like he just runs the whole thing like a really good business and just everything's done the right way and everything's done through the lens of how can we maximize <laughs> what we're doing and how can we have the best product. Um, in terms of Coach uh, Mack, who's the O-line coach, he just creates like a very good family culture, I think, in the offensive line room. He creates a culture that I think everyone wants to perform for each other, which I think is throughout the whole team as well. But everyone just wants to perform and do well, and there's no selfishness or greediness in the room. Everyone is really trying to do what they can for their role and how they can maximize the room and the team. Yeah, I grew up, uh, both of my parents went to Penn State. I grew up going to Penn State football games in kind of the Joe Pa era. So, you know, when I was recruited here and talked to Coach Bagnoli, it kind of reminded me of that blue collar uh, kind of same mentality that Joe Pa brought to Penn State. And, you know, it was something attractive and something that, you know, he's carried out through the three years that I've been here. Um, and then, you know, touching on Coach Larson, I he came in um, right before my sophomore year. 
uh, after Coach Santos. And, you know, he brought a t- just a, a different approach to the game, which was awesome. You know, having two different perspectives from two different coaches. And he sees the game so well. He's so, he's a student of the game, um, loves football so much. So just to learn from him and, you know, he, he treats everybody, whether you're first string, whether you're the sixth QB in the room, he treats everybody like they're the starter, just teaching them and developing them. And he cares so much, not just about us on the field, but off the field. So, you know, to play for him is awesome. And, you know, he's, he makes me better every single day and it's kind of challenging us on our goals and everything. So, you know, it's, it's true blessing to have him as a coach. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see where, where this goes. Oh, and then to add to that, I think just one more coach, you know, Coach Ferraro being, you know, being being defensive guys, yeah. uh, being that same coordinator we've had all, I guess, five years now that we've been here, um, you know, just that presence that he carries, right? You know, a guy's, no, no BS, right? Not going to not gonna be around the bush with you, but, you know, a guy that, you know, is going to go to war for you, right? He'll have your back, has everyone's back. And I think he's a great example of just a top-down leader, right? Everything starts with him, right? He'll, he'll be the first to tell you everything starts with him, right? We still have a responsibility to do our job, but... You know, I like the, the the accountability and the leadership that he shows each and every day, right? Being our coordinator and the way he gets us going, I think is awesome. Let's follow up one more on the coaches. Just talk about how the, everything kind of breaks down from position to coordinator level, I guess, for people that might not understand a little bit. Obviously, like when you're working on technique, you're probably working with your positions coach, but how does it all come together between your positions and then your offensive and defensive coordinators? Uh, I mean, I really think it's actually dictated by, you know, the, the head man and who's in charge, right, whether it be the head coach or the coordinator, um, right? I think, you know, our defense, at least, we don't spend a lot of time in meeting rooms with our defense coordinator. He's a big believer in getting better as individuals, getting better as position groups, and that that makes us better as a unit, right? We do come together sometimes, but it's more for general overarching things. But then you'll have some coaches who like to be very hands-on, right? Even as coordinators, they want to be in every meeting. They want to know what their guys are doing. So. But, you know, with us, I think it's cool that Ferraro gives that power to his position coaches, right? He literally lets them, right, do most of the coaching, right? They're the ones that are with us day in and day out, so they know us best. And I think that that really empowers uh, not only our coaches, but also our players to have trust in the way he's running his defense. Just, again, one more follow-up. Like, how does it come together when you're working with the the individual position and then, you know, putting it all together in a practice and then game planning and everything like that? So. Take it one step further, maybe. So, obviously, every time you learn something new, right, whether we're putting in a new defense, putting in new pressure or new coverage, right, I think it's imperative that everyone on the defense learn, or at least not learn the details, but know what everyone else on the defense is doing, right? It's not good enough to be a linebacker and only know what linebackers have to do, right? I'm a big believer in knowing why things are done. Once you know why, why we're asking you to do what you're doing, you'll have a much better understanding about why you need to execute that job and it'll stick with you a little bit better. So it starts with every guy knowing what the general, you know, what we're trying to get out of a certain coverage, out of a certain blitz is, right? And then I think it's once we come together as a unit finally, whether it be on the practice field, right, or in the meeting room, right, coming down, breaking down, seeing what other guys are doing, seeing how it works, how it helps me do my role, how my role helps their role, right? I think that's what helps us come together and really play good defense in the end. Um, I would say from the offensive side, Coach Fabish, who is our offensive coordinator, has done a really good job of like laying out the vision for the offense. So like we've come in and this year we've really changed up the offense from different years and we've just set clear goals on what we want the offense to be about. We're all about like keeping possession of the ball, holding on to it, protecting the ball up front, protecting it with ball carriers. We want to be the smartest team on Saturday. So just knowing the rules of the game, knowing the ins and out of how things are going to happen. So no mental mistakes or anything like that. And then just great teams have great teammates. So just really trying to celebrate each other and not having selfishness. Um, so I think 
from that standpoint, Coach Fabish has done a good job of like setting the vision for the offense. And then your position coaches more take care of you do have identity within the position group, and then that's more of your technique and getting into the, like the nitty gritty of the game and how you play and what you're doing on a play by play basis. Um, so I think that is a little bit of a breakdown of how it works between position coaches and the coordinators. Kind of touching off what Woodley said about how the defense works. It's I mean it's the same with the offense. We come together as a unit and talk about you know the whole what everybody's doing, um, how the whole system works. And, you know like in a quarterback meeting we'll talk about what we're doing and then we actually we had a it was kind of cool during camp. Uh, Coach Larson had a baby so he was gone for a little bit and Coach Fabisher in our meeting so it was cool to kind of see his perspective and like Woodley said give us that why like why are we running this play. Why are we trying to do this? So just hearing that perspective was super helpful and uh, I think it helped us a lot, just kind of see the whole vision of the offense as we were kind of installing during during camp. We got to talk a little bit about special teams because Alex Falcons was Ivy League uh, special teams player of the week. And what's it like having a guy like Falcons and Drew Schmidt even kind of anchoring you know, the kicking parts of the game? Uh, they're so dependable and they've been mainstays in the lineup for the last three, four years. I mean – the three core positions of special teams, right? I mean, to a degree, three core, but three only special teams players are just so reliable for us having the experience and execution that Falcons, Schmidt, and then Parker left and then long snapper has um, are just so crucial in, in a team. Like I think it, we do special teams. We meet Tuesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, play on Saturday, meet Sunday. So every single day besides our off day involves something with special teams. Um, so just having those guys, it's huge and crucial for, for us to succeed as a team. And I'm sure we've all been a part of teams where special teams were kind of a problem. And, like, any time yeah. a special teams play came up, you're kind of just watching, nervous, like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And I don't feel that at all. Whenever there's a special teams play, I just feel confident. You know it's going to go well. You know, it's like, what's supposed to happen is most likely going to happen. So having that confidence is huge. And just to go off, it, I mean, we've, we've touched on Coach Farrar and we've touched on Coach Fabish on offensive and defensive coordinator, but Coach Stowe is one of the best special team. I mean, he's the only special teams coordinator I've had, and he's freaking awesome at what yeah. he does. I mean, he is extremely good um, at special teams, and um, it's something that we've been historically very good at at Columbia and um, something that we, we need to do better um, coming on week two against Georgetown, and we all know that. So, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just as important as offense or defense, and – like in high, like you look back in high school, or you look at other teams. Sometimes that isn't like valued as much, and I mean special teams is just as important as those as offense and defense, and it's looked at that way here. You know, it's just as important. We meet just as much, like the guys said. Uh, we're practicing it just as much, and you know, possession points. Like you get such an advantage when you have a when a good a good special teams unit like we do with guys like Drew Schmidt and and Falcons. So last one before we let you go, any adjustments you're looking to make going into week two so you can keep the momentum going and pick up another non-conference win on Saturday? I mean, on the defensive side of things, one thing we've been emphasizing all camp that I don't think we did as good a job of, or really two things, is one, punching the ball out. We didn't create any fumbles this week. We had one interception, but nothing. We didn't put a ball on the ground. And then two, just getting our hands up um, on, from a defensive line standpoint, batting balls down, which could lead to tips and interceptions. So those two aspects, I think, are big that we can improve on. Um, going into our matchup against Georgetown. Yeah, and on the offensive side, I think it's pretty similar. There's just – we had a good game, but there was – watching the film back, there were so many things that we could have done better or we could have left – we left points on the board. We could have scored in a couple more areas or had plays where the execution could have been so much better. 
So although we had a good game, I don't think anyone's satisfied, and there's still a lot more room for improvement on where we can be versus where we are. Yeah, and then I think just talking about that third phase of the game we just talked about with special teams, I think just overall we have to be better. I think there's really no way to beat around the bush. It would be lovely to sit here and say that it was only this or you know one little mistake caused it, but I think overall we going through the film yesterday, we just had far too many mistakes by multiple individuals on the same play, on multiple plays special teams. So locking in, you know, doing what we're supposed to do, taking that just as important as we take both offense and defense and realizing that that's going to be a crucial role in all the games we play this year, right, and really making strides to improve quickly because we don't really have time to really work out these growing pains that we're dealing with on special teams right now. And that, with that, we'll wrap up this episode of Captain's Corner. So thanks, guys, for, for joining me again this week. Thank you. Um, we want to thank uh, Justin, Ben, Stu, and Ty for joining us again. I'm Mike Walski. Thanks for listening. The Lions take on Georgetown this Saturday, September 25th uh, at 1 p.m. at Robert K. Craft Field at Wheaton Stadium. Uh, tickets are available by visiting GoColumbiaLions.com slash tickets. Make sure you check out all the university and city COVID policies before purchasing your tickets. And the game will be broadcast on ESPN Plus as well. Uh, You're listening to Captain's Corner, presented by JAG-1 Physical Therapy. We'll be back next week.